Hey everybody, welcome back this week as we walk through the Word together. And as we walk out this truth, we discover that life is produced in us and also in other people. We are walking with one another, growing together to see the life of Christ continue to manifest and birth in us and then to see it spread outside of the walls of our houses and our church building. Let's pray. God, um, now we're going to open up your word. We thank you so much for your word. Lord, I pray that you would uh, allow me to speak with clarity today. And Lord, that you would speak to us, that you would meet us right where we are. And Lord, I pray for the one in the room who's, who's feeling heavy. God, I pray that you would lift burdens today. Lord, I pray that you would break chains today. God, I pray that you would open prison doors today. God, I pray for salvation in this room today. And Lord, we just... Uh, submit this time to you. We thank you so much for your love and care in our lives. And we thank you for the people in our lives that you have used to transform our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. All right. Spoiler alert, okay? I want to spoil a little bit about what's coming in this book. Because one of the beautiful things about Midtown is like we really value relationships. Really value. Very, very important. Everything is relational. And in relationship, any married people in the room, you know it gets challenging, correct? Anybody in life group, you know it gets challenging, right? It can get hard. It can get straight up hard. And even when God is good, relationships are challenging. And so Philippians is written to a church that's thriving, and Paul is writing from a jail, a jail cell But he's setting this whole thing up. And if you'll remember, we started off, we talked about he's writing to all the saints. He's saying grace and peace to every single one of you from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace are yours. They go hand in hand. The favor of God is for you through Jesus. And because you've got the favor of God, the peace of God is for you. So if you're struggling with peace, you need to experience more of his grace. You need to understand more of what he's gifted you, given you, and what he offers you. Peace and grace to you from God and our Father. The second thing we talked about is that joy is a byproduct of a heart that is connected to God. Joy is the byproduct of our heart that's connected to God. The third thing we talked about a little bit last week, uh, and Chuck did such an awesome job. If you missed that, go back, listen to Chuck. It was, it was just an awesome time. Um, but we talked about suffering and how suffering is a, re- is a reality because the world wants to be grace and peace and fights Jesus, the giver of grace and peace. The world wants to be your grace and peace. Trust me, I will give you peace. Trust me, I've got a great gift for you. If you'll just accept it, it'll bring you everywhere you want to go. And it'll bring you perfect happiness. Come on now. That perfect diet, that perfect product, this brand new truck, whatever it is, we've got your needs to be able to meet you right where you are. Everything you need, Right? And the world fights against Jesus and causes a lot of suffering in our life. When we go hard after Jesus, the world begins to fight against you a little bit. So here's what the word says. If you've stepped into suffering, believe this, you've begun to follow Christ and you were experiencing Jesus. Let this bring you into the reality, the understanding, not just the knowing, but the feeling what Jesus felt for you as he went to the cross for you. Wow. Thank you, Lord for what I'm experiencing because I know you deeply. I don't just know about you. I'm actually feeling you. Wow. You bring you into the experience. So 
We're going to step into these passages because then he begins to ask some questions of evaluation. But he's setting the stage, as you've read those passages, he's actually setting the stage because there's begun to be some relationship problems in the church. There's some fighting between a couple ladies. And they're going hard after Jesus and experiencing suffering together because the early Roman church, the, the Roman government was coming against the church. Nero, if you know anything about ancient history, Nero was the emperor during that time. And he literally would take Christians, put them on posts and light them on fire to lamp his garden. This is reality. So these people inside the Roman government are facing suffering beyond anything that you and I have probably ever experienced nor, or seen. And so they're beginning to get problems and pain in relationship as they go after this thing because it's just hard. It just gets hard. And so Paul, all through this letter, is setting up this gentle like invitation to later call these people and say, hey, I got a word for you guys. Don't fight anymore because we've got different things to think about. And so before he sets that up, he asks a few questions of evaluation. These questions are very important for each of us. And as I was reading this passage, I buzzed through these questions. I'm like, it's kind of confusing. Anybody read that first part? And they're like, what does it mean? Like, is there any encouragement in Christ? Is uh, any comfort in his love? Anybody? You read that first part and you skim through it and you're like, really nothing, right? Anybody? Thanks. Thanks, friends. Hey, we're here to have, we're having a blast. Give me some feedback, okay? We want to talk back and forth together. Uh, Verse one, it says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Is there any comfort in his love? Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? So he's actually like putting forth questions for our personal evaluation. Hey guys, what's the the encouragement of belonging to Jesus? Anybody? Anybody? What's the, what's the thing that belonging to Jesus encourages you? What is it? Let's talk. Huh? So, loved. You're loved. What's that mean? What, what else? Joy. Right. I got joy. What does it mean? To, what's our encouragement in Christ? What else? Hope. What is our hope? Eternal life. Eternity. It's forever. What else? Security. Freedom. Right now, freedom. Not just eternity. Eternity is like right now, too. Purpose. Huh? What'd you say? Heaven on earth. earth. Experience heaven right now. Presence right now. Huh? That's right. Abiding presence. There's so much encouragement of belonging to Christ. There's so many things that are accessed in Christ. Can you imagine if we didn't know for sure that Jesus really came, he did his stuff, declared a message. If you didn't really have that as a foundation for your life, where are you headed? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Like, where are you going? You'd be like, well, I've got this big plan for my life. And here's my next question for you. What would happen if you got that big plan? Imagine your life. Just imagine that you got there. What, what, what's next? It's a really hard question for some people, especially if there's no like, firm foundation for where we're headed. So this is a great encouragement, man. We got eternity. We've got hope. We've got excitement. We've got joy. Is there any comfort from his love? What's the comfort in his love? What's our comfort? Let's talk. Being known. Being known. What'd you say? All the way. way. 
You know what I would add to even being known? It's like, man, when somebody knows you and chooses to stay, gosh, man, that's a beast. It's like, I see you better than anyone else sees you, and I choose to stay forever. I'm so comforted. What else? Any comfort in his love? He's coming back. There's a comfort knowing, hey, it's not, it's not through. He's coming back. Man, that's good. Is there any fellowship together in the spirit? Is there togetherness in this? Isn't it good to know you're not alone? We're in the same thought process. Do you know why we can all affirm what everybody says? Because we believe the same stuff. There's some real encouragement of not being alone. Anybody feel alone? I want to tell you this, you're not. In Christ, y'all, we got the same hope. We got the same expectation. We got the same kind of love. And so you know what it says next? It says, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Why he's asking this is because if you stop evaluating and remembering, listen, remembering is so important. If you stop remembering these answers to these questions, your heart will not be tender anymore. It can become a little bit hard. The truth of Jesus and the love that he offers tenders up our heart to see each other well, to see not only each other well, but to see ourselves well. So he's asking you questions for evaluation to remember. So, hey guys, is is your heart tender and compassionate now? Is it growing in compassion because this is true? Then, if that's all true, then here, guys, listen, he says, listen, church, make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and one purpose. Guys, if eternity is coming and Jesus is coming again, then guys, we have the same expectation. Would you lock arms and go after it together? What are you going after today? Is what you're going after matter? Let's lock arms and go after something that matters. You know what I find fascinating? Paul is saying to one of the earliest churches what I believe he would say today to their church in America. Not just the church in America, around the world. Hey guys, would you lock arms and go after what matters? Because everything around the world is trying to tell you what matters and Jesus proved what mattered. Because he died and he rose again. He's not in the grave anymore. What he said matters because what he did proved it. If Jesus didn't raise from the dead, his words don't mean actually jack. It doesn't matter. Jesus is not in the grave anymore. He's a real historical person. He rose from the dead and a movement happened because of what he said. Y'all, his words matter. Would you lock arms and decide what he said really matters? Let's go after it together. Verse three, so lock arms, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress each other. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude as Christ. Here's what I love. When I say lock arms and go after something, we might picture the idea of going out like a UT football team, right? And we're going to go out there like Saturday, y'all, and we're going to go win. And do you know how we win? 
we conquer the other team, right? We defeat them. We beat them down and we smash them to nothing. And we beat, we drive the score up as high as we can and we belittle them as much as we can, right? Come on, this is victory, right? Y'all are Vols fans and if you're not, you're, I, I'm sorry, I guess we're happy to be Vols fans for once in a long time, you know what I mean? Come on, everybody, let's go. Come on. But that's the idea of victory sometimes. It's the idea of the win. So we're gonna lock arms. And here's what I've found. A lot of times, churches have used carnal measures to move our people to try to have spiritual movement. And we've moved with a carnal move from a heart that has ego at the center, not Jesus. And we boost ego and we say, hey, look at the thermometer. You know how much money we raise? We're going to build us a daggum giant building. It's going to be awesome. And you guys did this. You guys were a part of this, and we're going to see giant moves, and it's going to be awesome. And I'm not saying all that is terrible. But what I am cautioning us is that the motive of the heart, if it boosts your ego and it doesn't boost the king, is not worth much. Just flat out not worth much. Because he says, you want to know what the giant victory is, y'all? Look at this. Don't be selfish. Man, for the win, listen, what the world says you win, you better get the most stuff. You better build the biggest kingdom. Self-centeredness is important to win. Your business matters. And honestly, it's just business. I'm challenged by this thinking. Don't be selfish in anything. Jesus speaks such a radical message, y'all. The giant win is to not be selfish. Hey, don't try to impress other people. Well, how do I win if I'm not impressive, y'all? If I don't come up here with a banger of a message and y'all aren't so impressed, like, how do we get a win? You know what I mean? Don't try to impress anybody. That's one of the most challenging ones uh, for somebody who desires to be an entertainer. I struggle. I, I want to be an entertainer. I, wanna, I want you guys to love me. I do. It's one of my struggles. I, my challenge is to be self-centered. I'd love for this whole thing to be about me. I'm just going to tell you the real in my heart. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Be humble. Think of other people as better than yourself. The win is to think of others as better than myself. How would you win? <laughs> Anybody challenged with the win now? How does, it, how does my life win if I constantly lose to you because I'm helping you get where you need to go. Is anybody challenged by this? The big win is to help somebody else. But at the same time, is anybody relieved? <sighs> Guys, this could be fun. This means I don't have to build something giant to impress God. I don't have to impress him. Who feels like they didn't need to impress God? Who feels they need to get to heaven and they go, God, look at all I did for you. I got so much stuff for you. I built this giant thing and I, I, did, it, I, did, it, I did it for you. It's like awesome. But to consider others more important than yourself? Y'all, I, I don't even like that message. I don't like it. But listen, don't only... Look out 
for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Here's what I love about this. Y'all, we got to take care of our, our interests. You got to take care of your life. I'm not saying just like nothing for you, nothing, nothing. I'm not saying that. Not only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. That means literally figure out what is the interest of somebody near you and get in and help them in the interest of their life. Marriages, do you want your marriage to thrive today? How many of y'all could care a rip less of what your spouse likes? Anybody marry an opposite? Anybody? I did too. We're just like, everybody like, yep. Do you know what it's like to step into their world and really care about what they care about? I mean, and inwardly, I'm like, I just don't, I just don't care about the same things. And I don't do a good job about this. I'm just fully admitting all of my stuff today. But here's what I've found. Like when Shannon does such a better job of this, she steps into my world and she takes an interest in the thing that interests me, even when it doesn't interest her. Do you know what it does for me? It just revives my heart. I just get so thankful for her. And here's the crazy thing about what it's describing. Have the same attitude of Christ. Because men, listen, Christ steps into our world and just meets us right where we are. Right in your own interests. Hey, does that, do you care about that? Then I care about it. Did you know that, that God cares about what you care about? Have the same attitude of Christ. Christ cares about your interests. He loves you and he cares about you right where you are. You must have the same attitude of Christ. What is Christ's attitude? I want to look at that in the next few verses. What is Jesus' attitude? Listen to this. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Though he was God, he didn't consider that idea, that identity, something to cling to. But instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest honor and gave him the name above all names that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. He came with all power and all authority and yet chose to say, I won't even take that as my own. I'm gonna come and serve you and show you what love really looks like. I've got every bit of authority to step into your world and crush and win a victory. I mean, drive the score up all the way and say, guess what? I'm here and I'm here to crush this place and y'all have failed me. Anybody selfless all the time? Anybody care for the interests of others all the time? How about ever? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like ever. <laughs> Once a day, twice a day. His instruction is that like literally he stepped into our world and cared for us and our interest to the point of giving up his life for the world that fought him, that hated him. And listen, if you can receive it, you and I at times despising and rejecting him as well. His invitation to come serve somebody else, no. 
No, what a terrible idea. Serve me. And yet Jesus takes this message all the way to the end because he loves you and I so much. What a crazy idea. Though he was the form of God, did not count it equality with something to be grasped, but humbled himself to the point of a servant. Here's what I love about what everybody said. Everybody who got up here, they talked about, number one, the humility of somebody to stay, to stick it out. I love what you said, to like spend time with you, but humbly sit there where you were, meet you right where you were in your challenging time of divorce, let you express those feelings and pain and chose to stay there with you, not put you down further, but to raise you up higher. And guess what? You're married today. Built you up to prepare you for something when people weren't there to help you in that moment. I love that. Rita, I love what you said, how you said that he loved you so gently and humbly and he's led your family in love because you were consistent and you stuck in it and you stayed with it when it was hard and it was challenging and you've got this gentle demeanor, this kindness about you that's just, just life-changing. That's what Kat said, you know? Everything we describe that transform our life, y'all, wasn't somebody who stepped in our life who knew all the answers all the time, but they were present and revealed the love of Christ in our life. They stuck in it. They stayed with you. And so his invitation to the church is, hey, guys, stick in it with people. Grab each other's arms and let's go after this. But you know what we're going to go after? Let's go care for each other. Let's go care for others more than ourselves. Let's go make a difference, but here's how we're going to make a difference. I'm going to care about your interest, not mine. Guys, can I relieve you for a second? If you will lose your life in this way for the sake of Christ, you will find the purpose and meaning of your life that you were designed for. This feels counterintuitive. Do you want your marriage to improve and become wonderful? I, I do. Care for the interest of the other person. Don't try to get where you're trying to get and you're gonna get where you wanna get. Isn't that crazy? When you care for other people, you're gonna get elevated. That's exactly what happened to Jesus. He came and he died. He went all the way to the end and died. It says that God honored him as he went lower. God took him higher. He didn't strive to get higher. He strived to go low and God took him higher. It's a, it's a kingdom principle. If you wanna to try to get higher, you're gonna end up going lower. If you'll go lower, God will take you higher. It's a kingdom principle that's built into gospel. And if many of you guys need a win in your life, if you need a win in your life, serve somebody else. If you need a win, go lower than you've ever gone before and watch yourself get elevated. I promise you it happens. But here's what keeps us in that place of wanting to go lower. Because I realize that Jesus is the highest of all. He's the highest it's ever gonna get. And I don't have to strive to get to his position. I just need to keep my eyes focused on him and he takes me there. I don't have to strive to get anywhere. Salvation is an effort. It's a gift of God. So are you striving toward God? I wanna encourage you to stop. Stop right where you are. No more striving. Let striving cease. Appreciate the reality that the God of the universe stepped into our world and didn't come from on high, he came low. And he served you and I 
And if Jesus has never met you and served you right where you are, let him meet you and serve you right where you are. He didn't count equality with God something to be grasped. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, where, where did you do that? And I was thinking about how Jesus, when he fasted for 40 days, and, he, and it says the spirit of God takes him into the desert. And in the desert, the devil meets him there. And the devil says, I got an idea for you, you hungry? Hey, you're God, right? Like you can do everything. Like, hey, these rocks, turn them into bread and just eat them. He appeals to like his, the lust of his flesh, like the lust that could be there. Hey, you're hungry. This is good for you. Just go ahead and meet your need right now. Use your powerful being you are. You're him. Do it. Don't suffer any longer. You don't deserve to suffer because you're God. Can you hear it? You don't deserve to suffer. The place you sit, your merit, you don't deserve to suffer. That friendship that's challenging, you don't deserve to suffer. Stop your suffering. Do what it takes to meet your needs. And here's what I love. Jesus meets the devil right in that temptation. He speaks the word. Not what I believe. <laughs> He's God in the flesh, I know, but it fully human. Maybe potentially what he was struggling internally with. I don't know what that's like for Jesus. I can't even get my mind there. But he takes the word of God and it's the power of God and he speaks it in the moment and he sees victory. It doesn't end there. Satan takes him to a high place. And he says, hey, look, if you will simply worship me, I have authority to give all this away right now and I'll give it to you. This means like, you don't, you don't have to do anything. Like I will give you it all. You don't have to go to the cross. It could be finished and the earth is yours. I'll give it to you. Again, Jesus goes to the word. He speaks the word. Jesus, Satan tries three times. And again, just no. Here's what he says. Maybe you've wished this. He says, throw yourself off this place. And the word says that the angels will catch you. And listen, if everybody saw this happen, they will know you are who you are. And you wouldn't have to go through any of this. They'll believe you and follow you forever. Again, Jesus spoke the word. But here's why it's so important, y'all. Here's why it's so important. Jesus could have done that, but he knew unless I give up my life for these people, they'll never be perfectly in relationship with my father. I might be elevated to the heights for the rest of eternity, but all of these people that I love so much would not be made right. He gave up the highest of the earth he gave up all of his hunger because he loved you and me so much. He said, I've got a different plan in store and I'm gonna give up my life so they could be in perfect relationship with my father and myself. And it required his sacrifice, his perfect life. You and I have not been selfless all the time. We have not cared for others all the time. And that's what it took. Jesus did it perfectly, y'all. The standard of perfection was met. And I don't know about you, but as I read that list, y'all, I'm like, worse than I, it's like coming to me more. I'm like, I'm like, I am nothing. But because Jesus did what he did, I'm more than something. My life is united with his. So you know what we get to do now? 
I get to forget about trying to pursue my life and get me somewhere. Guys, I invite you, as, as radical as this sounds, if you will throw off your life, you will find the life you were made for. Jesus is everything and he is the king. Eternity is coming and we're headed there. What is our life about? Would you hear the words of Paul? And would you see the picture of Christ that's clearly painted here? Not the one maybe you've despised in your mind, but the one right here. Jesus loves you so much that he died for you and went to the grave so you could be joined with his life. Would you contemplate that for a second? I'm just asking, would you just bow your head today? And would you just think about that for a moment? Like all the way. you bow your head, I just want you to think about this. Don't be selfish. He was selfless. Don't try to impress other people. He cared for people. He saw Zacchaeus. He cared for a woman at the well when nobody liked her. He touched lepers. He healed diseases. He stepped into a broken girl who had cheated on her husband. And he sent her, her, her captors away. Be humble. He walked so humbly. He, wasn't, he didn't even make himself good looking. Thinking of others is better than yourself. Think how many times he served and he cared for children the least of the least. And yet he cared for them right where they were. Don't look only to your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Jesus just stayed with these guys who were such a wreck and he just loved them right where they were. Hey church, would we, would we invite him to send us on that mission? What would it look like if we together collectively gave our life away for anybody who walked in these doors on a Sunday? What would it look like if in the week we were prepping for them as we knew we were about to see them on a Sunday? What would it look like if you began to reframe your life to prepare for the people, even in this room, like just to encourage? What would it look like, y'all? What would it look like? And Paul's words to the Philippian church was, would you give your life away for other people? Would you have the same mind of Christ? I just flat out would ask us as a church, would you give your life away for each other? Would you step into each other's world when it's challenging? Would you speak the truth in love? And would you stay gently and consistently in somebody's world? 
And then not just Sunday, but what would it look like to take this into the homes and our life groups and see that happen in life group? What would it take to see our life groups then move into our neighborhoods? Imagine what it looks like to give our life away for the interests of other people. And if you wanna make a difference, if, if you wanna see people's lives transformed and changed, step into the thing that interests them. Hear it. And oftentimes you'll feel like you're wasting your life and you're wasting time, but you are not. You are meeting them in the way that Christ met you. Stop trying to meet people the way that you think they would be met. Meet them the way Christ met you. You're gonna see lives change around you. You're gonna see healing happen around you. You're gonna see the glory of God fall around you. Father, I pray that you would paint a clear picture of who you are, not who we wanna make you to be. And Lord, we want, we want your mind. God, we want to have the same mind of Christ. God, we want that to be true. And there, yet there's a part of us that says, I don't want that to be true. I wanna be self-centered. I want it to be about me. And Lord, it brings us back to this humble place of just saying thank you. Thank you for loving us right where we are. You never give up. Thank you for never giving up.